Joining us now here at the Cattle Industry Convention, Seeker Johans, the Associate Director, Federal Lands with the Public Lands Council here in New Orleans. And Seeker, it's great to catch up with you again. Hope you're doing well. Thanks for having me, Jesse. Let's talk first. I know a hot topic, hot issue right now is uh, surrounding the Lesser Prairie Chicken, a recent lawsuit filed in Texas. I know you uh, mentioned to me before we jumped on the air. So catch us up to speed on the latest surrounding the issues with the Lesser Prairie Chicken. Absolutely. So this is a final rule that came out recently to designate the species under the Endangered Species Act. So it's now being split into two distinct population segments. The northern one is threatened and the southern one is endangered. And the reason that we're pursuing this action in court is because there's there's quite a few problems with this rule. Mm-hmm. On the one hand, we don't think it should be listed at all. We think that the conservation efforts that cattle ranchers have been doing for decades at this point uh, are showing documented success in conserving the habitat that the bird needs to thrive. And once you put that ESA label on it, you put a chiller, a dampening effect on a lot of those voluntary private efforts. And over 96% of LPC habitat or range rather falls on private lands. So having that buy-in from voluntary, you know, private landowners is essential for the species. So that's the first problem. We think that this is just inappropriate given the conservation goals that we have for the bird. Uh, and the second reason is we have a lot of concerns about this 4D rule in particular. So a 4D rule is designed to provide legal protections in the case of incidental take, incidental killing of a, of a species, in the course of normal agricultural operations, you know, or other some other industries as well. So it's designed to provide flexibility, it's designed to provide cover, and instead what this rule has done is really put an incredible uh, amount of federal overreach into producers' operations. They are saying you're only gonna satisfy the requirements for this 4D if you're following a grazing management plan that's been approved by a third party. And we don't even know who those third parties are yet. So there's an immense amount of uh, potential for abuse of power. You could have you know third party activist groups who end up uh, giving a thumbs up or a thumbs down on how you graze on your own land in Kansas or Oklahoma or Texas, and that's just unacceptable for us. So we went ahead and filed our notice of intent. We've got a couple of our affiliates, our our great uh, state affiliate support on that case, and the 60-day clock on that NOI is now running. So when that runs out on uh, March 20th, we will be moving forward with our lawsuit in the Western District of Texas. And it just, it makes me think as well, that just, it sounds like it adds so much red tape for producers that's unnecessary. And it's like you said, if you have a third party telling a rancher in Kansas what he can and can't do on his land, when they don't know the land, just doesn't make any sense. I couldn't have said it better myself, Jesse. This is uh, just such a nonsensical way to go about land management. When you think about the people who are closest to these environments, closest to the ecosystem, they know it like the back of their hand because their business depends on it. And sustainability is a you know a core part of every rancher's, not just their ethos, but their business plan. You have to treat the land well so it'll take care of you, right? So the fact that you are going to have third parties who are removed from those ecosystems, they've never really worked on lesser prairie chicken. This might be the first time they're ever reviewing a grazing plan period uh, and to think that those people are going to be the experts and then people who might have been ranching for 30 40 years are not really doesn't make a whole lot of sense it adds a lot of red tape it adds a lot of delay and one I think think that's 
worth noting is this list of third parties is woefully incomplete right now. Fish and Wildlife really jumped the gun by putting the rule out before having a list of approvers in mind. People like NRCS, you know, who review grazing plans all the time through a variety of, you know, initiatives and, and technical assistance, they're not even approved yet to be on this list. So there's really nowhere for ranchers to go. There's just a lot of uncertainty. I know as well, this obviously very big issue, very top of mind. What are some other wildlife issues you're working on with the Public Lands Council and CBA here as we begin 2023? Absolutely. We've got a lot going on in the wildlife space. Uh, sage grouse is top of mind for a lot of our producers in the West. We do expect the BLM to be revising their sage grouse plan uh, by the end of the summer. So that is on the, the president's unified regulatory agenda. That's a sort of list of priorities that's put out uh, to give you a roadmap of where they're trying to go. Obviously, there's, you know, thousands of items on that list and they don't get to all of them and not every agency crosses everything off. But we do expect that that's one that's going to shoot to the top. So we're anticipating changes there. Uh, and that's one of the reasons, honestly, why the lesser prairie chicken is so significant. We don't want to see bad precedent set that could impact all of those other states in sage grouse territory uh, who have been doing voluntary work for years to, to conserve that species as well. Some other items, we've got a lot of predator challenges, you know, all mm -hmm. over the West. People are dealing with really high rates of, of gray wolf depredation now. And frankly, depredation standards, the verification standards that are used to confirm those kills, we've gotten quite a bit of concern about, you know, some some uh, tightening on those that is making it harder to confirm those kills and harder for producers to get the payments and the compensation that they that they need and that they deserve to be made whole in those cases of depredation. So we're going to be keeping an eye on that. We're going to be keeping an eye on uh, the administration's announcement that they want to reopen the conversation on reintroducing grizzly bears in the northern Cascades. You know, that's a hugely controversial topic. And I think across the board, no matter what animal you're looking at, there's a theme of top-down, you know, federal government imposing uh, a plan or a vision for these major apex carnivores that is divorced from the reality on the ground and the impact that it has on, on rural communities. A lot of issues to keep our eyes and ears on. And of course, I think just to wrap up as well, being here at the Cattle Industry Convention, always a great time to talk with producers about these issues and also hear of other issues that uh, may be of an impact as well across the country, isn't it? Absolutely. You know, there's nothing, there's no replacement for face-to-face. -face, and I, I can't stop smiling from the minute we get here to the minute we leave because this is what NCBA is all about, having that grassroots policy process, having those conversations, being in the room with people from every segment of the industry in every state. There's there's just nothing like it. And it yields, you know, a playbook then that we can take back to Washington, D.C. and execute on and make sure that we're really representing closely the, the will of our producers. Sigurd, appreciate the time. Thanks for joining us here at the Cattle Industry Convention. We'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, Jesse.